My next guest on the Tea Time Sofa, Tony Redondo, is not just stargazing into the cosmos. He started his own business after years as a broker. He set up the Cosmos Currency Exchange at the start of the pandemic with a whole heap of uncertainty that lay ahead and carved out a successful business based on the extraordinary way of providing the human touch when making transactions across the globe. He has a great sense of humour which has certainly helped and instead of the computer saying no, Tony always says yes. He prides himself on helping people and interpreting the financial markets so that anyone can understand. So let's find out more. Anyway, Tony, welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monjack. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Ali. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. So uh, an early start then this morning and, you know, looking at those financial markets. Exactly. A very early start. Yes, lots going on in the markets and uh, with the Bank of England meeting on Thursday, uh, markets expect the uh, interest rates to rise for the uh, consecutive uh, for the second consecutive month for the first time since 2004. So uh, despite Boris's party get woes and the threat of Russia, uh, the pound uh, is doing very nicely at a two year high against the euro. So, yeah, I'm a busy boy. Woo, does that mean we can all go out and party ourselves then? Exactly. Yeah, when you go on holiday, that sangria on a Spanish beach is going to cost you quite a lot less than it has done at any point in the last two years. So, I mean, what does that do for you? Because, I mean, you know, obviously you've got your own business, the the Cosmos Currency Exchange. And um, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously that that is a good thing for you as far as currency exchange is concerned or? Yeah, very much so. Uh, The vast majority of my clients are based in the UK and they're sterling sellers. So the stronger the pound is, the more reason the client has to lock the rate in and the busier we get. Um, so yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's good fantastic. news. So it's good news, good news all around, you know, apart exactly. from the fact that we've, uh, we're going into April, aren't we? And oh, goodness knows that the news, everything is full of everywhere now that we're starting to recover from the pandemic, you know, mentally and physically in terms of, you know, things aren't quite as bad or as oppressive. Um, now yeah. we're faced with the national insurance or a shared dividend tax rise, aren't we, in April? Yes, we are. And massive cost of living. You know, inflation hasn't been this high since 1992. So, uh, you know, all the utility bills are going up and welfares. And, uh, and then, as you said, you know, it looks like national insurance contributions. Although I have a sneaky suspicion that um, they might be adjourned for a while. They might be. Uh, I think they'll delay it because ever the cynic me, um, I would suggest to you that with the uh, local elections due on May the 6th, um, the Tories might be in for a bit of a beating up if uh, national insurance and tax goes up the month before on top of utility (laughs) bills, on top of party gate. I think Boris might be on a sticky wicket, shall we say. (laughs) Sticky wicket, yeah. So, yeah, not not all in at number 10 then. So... uh... (laughs) Oh dear, oh dear. What are we going to do with these politicians, eh? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's a very interesting time for everybody as we, as I said, you know, we're recovering out of this. And um, 
it has been a, a really difficult time, but you know it, it is getting better in in many different ways. You know, as far as financial markets are concerned. But I mean, you've got such an interesting job, really, because it's not just the case of looking at the markets, as you said. It, it's all about you know um, politics, the economy, obviously, and and you know sentiment where people you know think they're going to you know what's going to happen which is you know we'd all have a crystal ball wouldn't we <laughs> oh you'll be so useful in my job i tell you <laughs> be so useful never found one that works i found a couple of murky ones over the years but never never a crystal clear one <laughs> <laughs> it's best guess scenario i'm stuck with i'm afraid and my clients are stuck with with me no, it's best guess scenario, but it is, I find it fascinating, um, the fact that the number of factors that can influence these things. Um, and, it, it, you know, when I first started way back in, in the 1980s, it was mainly driven by economics. It really was. And whilst that's not an exact science, there are very strong correlations between an economic data release and whether the pound goes up, down or sideways. Uh, occasionally politics get in the way, like a very famous day in 1992 when the UK crashed out of the exchange rate mechanism, which is the forerunner to the euro. And Mr. George Soros tried to bankrupt the Bank of England and uh, interest rates went up four times in one day, Ali. Wow. Day. Four Gosh. times. Yeah. So that, yeah. Was, um, that was a long old day in the city, I can tell you. Um, that, um because i'm i'm not as up on this as you are obviously because you know i've not lived through checking out the financial markets all the time but yeah, like, i mean wasn't that 15 percent yes exactly percent right. in interest can you imagine yeah well i remember i bought my first house way back in 1985 mm. And I was delighted because interest rates had just fallen and I managed to get a mortgage of seven and three quarter percent. Woo! Wow. Oh my goodness. Tony, can you imagine if people had mortgages like that now? It just, I mean, the, the thing, the scary thing, and I think this is genuinely scary, is that we've never had a period in history where interest rates have been so low for so long. Mm. And it's created a complete debt bubble, complete debt bubble, much worse than blew up on, on all our faces with the credit crunch with Lehman Brothers and Northern Rock going under in 2007, 2008. The figures now are simply astronomical. I mean, yeah. simply astronomical in all the financial markets. I mean, it's, and the danger is the longer it goes, the bigger the bubble gets, the bigger the bubble gets, the bigger the bubble gets. At some point, it could burst. Hope it doesn't, for all our sakes. But no. we just don't know these things. No, absolutely. So, what attracted you as that that young boy? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what what attracted Guilty. you? Pardon? <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> Guilty as charged. That young uh, boy who decided to go into the financial markets and you know be a broker. What, what attracted you to it? It wasn't my first choice. Uh, I've had a lifelong interest in astronomy and cosmology um, ever since I was born in Southern Africa. 
and most of my childhood holidays were safaring camping uh, in places like Kruger National Park, just over the border in South Africa. And there were three highlights of the day and evening uh, when you when you go to that part of the world. There's dusk and dawn around the watering hole to see all the big five animals, you know, the, the lions and the zebra, uh, lions and giraffes and elephants and what have you. Um, my personal favorite was my parents had an old um, Volkswagen Beetle hmm. and they used to put a couple of blankets on top of the car roof and set me up there because I was born curious. So to stop me wandering off into the bush after some animal or other, they'll put plonk me on top of the car and my godfather will come and sit next to me. And because of the tilt of the earth, the southern hemisphere points towards the middle of the Milky Way. So for every one star we see in the northern hemisphere, there are hundreds and hundreds of stars in the southern hemisphere. So it's just a canopy of stars and planets and what have you. So I've had a lifelong interest and I had my O-levels and A-levels, you know, maps, physics, biology and what have you. Um, but it needed a seven-year university course. And there was no way that my parents could afford for me to go to university for seven years. So right. I knew right. that that door was pretty much shut. Um, so I thought, okay, well, what else am I going to do that at least involves, you know, maps? And, and I was lucky in that when I finished my uh, A-levels um, and then I did a BTEC uh, national diploma, um, I was 19 years old and it was 1985. And in 1995, the second Thatcher government liberalised financial services and more was called at the time Big Bang in the city of London. Mm. Now, before 1985, you pretty much had to be invited in to work in the city of London. You had to know somebody. It was a bit of a closed shop. Yeah. And yeah. then in 1985, they and the markets were totally dominated by the big four uh, British banks. And then all the foreign banks came in, you know, the Americans, Canadians, Japanese, Germans, you name it. Um, and they needed staff. And I thought, well, finance, is probably, you'll probably pay quite well. And at least it's working with numbers. So that was my career decision. And I joined Barclays Bank in 1985. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, for, from the cosmos in South Africa to, to basically, yeah, joining the bank. It's, it's, the, the worlds couldn't be more far removed, no, could they, really? They couldn't. <laughs> but there were plenty of opportunities. And then um, I qualified as an associate at the Chartered Institute of Bankers. And that gave me, with a few years' experience, so by the early 90s, um, you know, the, the city had completely been transformed and all of a sudden there was something like, I think at the time there was something like 450 banks in the city of London in a square mile. So with takeovers and mergers and what have you, I had the education, I had a little bit of experience. So getting work was never a problem. And uh, it was a question of, of just moving on up, up the career change, so to speak. Brilliant, brilliant. So. Yeah, and I mean, you know, what a career it's been. And then obviously last, well, 2020, I keep saying last year, I still haven't got used to <laughs> it, 2022. Um, last year, you finally sort of, you know, your 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 dream of the cosmos <laughs> and the exchange sort of came together, um, yeah, jokes aside, and you decided to go out on your own, didn't you? I did, yes. I've worked for you know various banks and brokerages throughout my career, both in the UK and abroad. 
Um, but it's something I've always wanted to do because um, one of the things that's fundamentally changed in the markets is the way the client is looked after or, or not looked after as the case may be. So when I started, you know, in 1985, there were no computers, there was no internet, there was no credit scoring, business was done how it had been done for the previous 400 years since the original coffee houses in the city of London, and that's by people talking with people. Mm. Um, and that was the only business model in town, and certainly in a majority of, of financial services, but certainly in foreign exchange, it's gone very techie based, it's all transactional based now, nobody knows each other, it's all about logging into a platform, logging onto your app, asking for a quote, you take it or you leave it. And the problem with that approach is it makes a lot of sense for the provider, for the institution, um, because of, of, of the financial model. But if something goes wrong, the client has got no help whatsoever. And even if something doesn't go wrong, there's nobody really to help the clients, you know, to answer any queries. There's no personal touch anymore. And so my not so revolutionary idea uh, for, for the last quite few years was to set up uh, a company that, that combined the best of the old, the best of the new. So we use the latest technology. We use the convenience of local bank accounts for clients abroad to pay into rather than having to do transatlantic transfers, but all very much based on the relationship-based business model that takes a proactive approach. So again, you know, if uh, Ali, you're ever in the market to buy a, a holiday home abroad, what would normally happen is a solicitor will say to you, I need a deposit by here and then I need a balance by there. And you'd go off to the bank or click on an app to buy it when you needed the money. But that doesn't mean that the rates are right for you at that moment in time. So the idea behind Cosmos is if you get to us early enough, we can say to you, okay, so you need a 10% deposit by the end of February. And by Easter, you're going to need a 90% balance. Fine. Leave it with us. We'll monitor the markets. When the rates look optimum for you, we'll phone you and alert you to that buying opportunity. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, the thing is that the, the key point here is here as well, you know, as far as your business model is concerned, is that, you know, I think the majority of people are sick of you know just talking to the computer because the computer can yeah. quite often say no can't it and uh, <laughs> and also it, it's that frustrating thing where you know you've got to speak to a bot or whatever and you know it is it, just it causes a lot of frustration and I think when it comes to dealing with money as well is people want to know what is happening with their money and want to know how it is you know moving forward and although as you said you know we we kind of live in a very consumerism world these days where everything is like you know oh push a button it's done yeah or it's bought you know but... <laughs> yeah I mean you shared you know you were kind of not to share with me your recent experience with your mobile phone provider you know and that's a classic case in point you know you've been with them for years and years and years and years and what was your reward for loyalty being shoved from pillar to post um and not really helped until you had to you know threaten to take, take your business on yeah. and then all of a sudden somebody woke up and paid you the minimum of service would it be much better and surely in this day and age of the technology for somebody to know that your contract was up at the end of january to give you a call 
forget Christmas, fine. So we'll give a record on the 10th of January and say, and be proactive and say, hello, we're from so-and-so and we know that your contract is up in a couple of weeks time. And they'll, you know, how, do you, how are you using your phone? What features do you use? Or what features are completely superfluous? And what can we do for you, you know, to be proactive about it? And unfortunately, that is pretty rare these days. But I think, you know, a service much in demand. Um, the other thing that strikes me always is you now everybody talks about customer service these days. And that is the big thing. Everybody's got to be into yeah. customer service. But at the end of the day, let's face it, a lot of it is just PR. So the only way I could think of when I was setting up Cosmos to make sure that I didn't go down the route of just talk about yeah. it, but mm. not do a lot about it is to actually not market so we don't do any marketing we don't advertise all our business comes from referrals and i think that sends out a pretty strong message to a would-be client because it doesn't take too much to work out what happens to those referrals if you don't look after your clients yeah you know, they'll dry up really quickly <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it is about, you know, looking after your clients that is the, the key thing here. And also building relationships. And I'm sorry, you know, in my books, I mean, it doesn't matter how far AI, artificial intelligence has come, it still can't build relationships, you know, with people and it can't. And that that is the key point. That is a big issue right now. Um, you know, and, and, you know, moving forward out of this pandemic, for the last two years, we've been a lot more online based because we've had to be, um, but it still, you know, doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, we, that human touch, that human um, interaction is, is what we need, isn't it, really? It is. And unfortunately, to make, to, I think, from my perspective, rub even more salt into the wounds even when you get the human interaction quite often you're actually just talking to a salesperson reading off a script mm. so if your query doesn't fit into the script mm. they can't compute <laughs> i know i know which is i finally get hold of a human being ah but they don't speak my language oh dear you know <laughs> yeah Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? it? The whole thing is absolutely insane. You just couldn't make it up in a way. It's, you know, it, it's trying to, to, to have that level of communication, which we so desperately need, really, when it comes to everything, you know, not, not just financial markets. No, everything. absolutely. Anything. You know, anything. and that, that's what we're losing. And that that's not a good thing. So, I mean, you know opening your your business and having this or we named it before didn't we the hybrid effect is, is yes. really good because you can't do without computers obviously because no, you need people on track of stuff but um you know that that complete human touch is just amazing isn't it really yeah you know you can't certainly in financial services and the, and the frustrating thing again is that the latest technology is very clever, is very quick, can save time, can save money, as long as it's looked upon as a simple tool, not the the end, you know, and everything. Um, so that's why I think you know our, our model works because clients can. I mean, if somebody comes to me, Ali, and says, "I want access. I don't want you to phone me. I want access to an online platform. I'll do everything myself." That's fine. It's not a problem. It's available. Not an issue, but yeah. I have to say, yeah. 
less than one percent of my clients have said that to me mm. in two years <laughs> most people are very happy to leave us to leave leave us you know to do it if I'm, and that means everything from monitoring the markets to helping them sort out um what information is needed to send a payment across to the united states because obviously everybody in this country very simple example you know we all use sort code and account number yeah but the rest of the world doesn't they use different things different combinations of so yeah. where are you going to get that information from you know you can look at it online but if you get it wrong and you press the button that money will go <laughs> yeah. it's much more comforting to somebody to say to you okay well actually i know that if you are sending money to the united states i'm going to need this this and this and this is this number of characters and when i get the information from you we'll run a security check to make sure that that account exists and we'll also phone you back to make sure that nobody's intercepted that email on the way through to us and changed the coordinates and it's those little touches that give people comfort because you know everybody automatically thinks particularly with foreign exchange where it's such a big market you know i mean the foreign exchange market globally turns over five and a half trillion dollars a day a is day that is that all yeah peanuts peanuts <laughs> and of course we've all got so many you know movies you know, about the financial world you know in the last five ten fifteen years but actually you know we are probably busier dealing like in december 80 percent of my trades in december is clients sending money to family and friends abroad mm. you know to send it to grandchildren in canada or in australia or south africa because if you don't use our services you're going to end up with a service that's going to take a huge wallop out of it and for the same amount of pounds your grandchild is going to receive a lot less dollars or whatever the local currency is then would otherwise be the case. So it's not about just big ticket item. It's not just about master of the universe stuff. It can be as simple as um, I remember last week, client phoned up, I've known for forever, saying, I'm really sorry, Tony, but you know, I'm, I'm such a so-and-so, I'll repeat the word he used. Um, I'm such a so-and-so, it's almost mad. He said, you know, I've just come back over the weekend from, from my three months in Spain. And I go and start to unpack yesterday and I open up sort of, you know, my document case, my passport, what have you, and I forgot to pay a water bill. Now, oh God. Yeah. it's only like, it's only 80 euros or something, but the trouble is I'm not going to go back for about three months. They'll have, shut me, they'll have um, turned me off by then. And then it's a, there's a reconnection charge. And I don't know what to do because it, I could be hours on the phone to the bank in Spain trying to get this payment through. It could be hours before I find somebody who says they speak English. So I said, well, no, that's fine. Send me the invoice, I'll do it. And we did it. Now, there is that we actually lost money on the transaction. As a business, we lost money on the transaction. Mm. But that gentleman has traded with me for years, has referred other clients to me. So what? It's one it transaction. It came to you with a problem. It's service, isn't it? You know, that that is the key to business and building a business is it's all about service isn't it it doesn't matter exactly. you know exactly. you need to so service people that make up your business yeah absolutely you know uh, the only way we would say no to a client is if it cannot be done in the financial markets 
Mm. You know, if, if they want for whatever reason to buy some currency that's not internationally available, you know, not a lot we can do about it. It's no. not available, <laughs> you know, yeah. but other than that, we would never say no because we want to carry on the relationship um, mm. because that's how we, we think that's the gap in the market. Yeah. And yeah. it might not well, lead to, uh, you know, to short, short term mega buck profits but i think it, you know in lots of other ways as well as monetary it pays it does pay I'm absolutely i think you know you're you you're you've hit the the nail on the head here really it's as i said it's about giving people value isn't it you know absolutely and i think people will buy into value every single time, every time. i had um I had a referral client introduced to me last week. Mm. The lady's moving back from Germany. We're talking about quite a sizable amount. We're talking, you know, nearly a million euros coming back mm. to the pound. And she was referred to me by a client that I last traded for in 2015. Wow. And I always say this to, to my wife. It's funny, you know, I used to, um, when I was younger, uh much younger and in the city of london i used to get so fed up with having to spell my surname you know so oh, why can't i have a, a straightforward surname you know and repeat 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 mm -hmm. now it's interesting about how perspective changes now i'm really glad i've got an unusual surname because it's not easy to forget it's not e it's not difficult to lock up on linkedin or one of the other platforms or what have you you know so yeah i, I last dealt with this gentleman in 2015 and he found me through a social media platform and sent me a message saying are you the tony redonda they used to work at such and such brokerage and dealt with me do you remember my name and what have mm -hmm. you and i did because uh, i helped him both in his business and in his personal foreign exchange requirements and um he said look a friend of mine you know personal circumstances um can can she needs help and she needs to be looked after by somebody that's not gonna because she's in a bit of a vulnerable her husband died basically unexpectedly oh. and uh, when she started to deal with it by herself she got scammed for some of the money oh. so she was very 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 oh. wary extremely mm. wary but we had a chat and uh, gave her every opportunity to check us out and everything. And now, now it's all um, good. Put her mind at rest. So I have no doubt about that, Tony. I really don't have <laughs> any doubt about that because you know that's that's what you're all about, which is great. You know because there's so many. You know that we, as I said, you know we are healing from this pandemic, and there's so many you know opportunists out there who are really not in a on a good page and you know i mean all this fishing over the internet and goodness knows what else i mean there's scams happening all the time um but just sort of briefly going back to was it february march 2020 when you actually opened up cosmos um you were just sort of heading we were heading right into thick of lockdown weren't we i mean nobody could really really see that one coming could they even with your crystal nobody ball did. no nobody did no nobody did and uh again an interesting case in point because when we started 
Um, the last uh, couple of jobs I had before setting up Cosmos were dealing were working for brokerages that largely dealt with one segment of the market alone. Mm. Um, it was the vast majority of their business was dealing with private clients buying and selling international property, which is very lucrative. Uh, but of course, as soon as we opened, the lockdown came, <laughs> and uh, and all that sort of you know potential business stream went completely up in smoke because nobody could travel nobody could view no solicitors were open no estate agents were open the whole thing just but we survived because even when i've worked for other people i've always tried to work on this personal relationship based model as possible so that you know all the clients i'd helped to buy property over the years normally you'd only ever hear from them once in a while because you know, if you're working in the UK and you've got your property in Florida, the usual business model has been to rent it out for 10 months of the year locally. That pays all the bills. And then you and your family and friends enjoy it for two months of the year. But of course, as bad as it was for the revenue stream uh, for the new business when we first launched and we were months old, the good news with that is that we were needed to help the clients because all of a sudden your rental income stopped coming in for that property abroad. But the bills didn't. But because we kept the relationship going, instead of that client going to the bank or an app, our first, their first port of call was, Tony, I need to get some money across to Florida to pay the bills. I need to get some money across to Spain or France or wherever it happens to be. And again, I just I had this feeling. Um, I, other than science, my favorite subject at school was history. And so, and I like to read, and I like to read a lot. So um, one of the things that occurred to me very quickly during the first lockdown is that, you know, this country never even locked down in either world war. So all of a sudden we're locking down for this pandemic. This isn't going to last five minutes, I don't think. I think this is, we're in this for a while. It doesn't matter what Boris says, three weeks and all that. Mm. I don't think so. This is quite serious and nobody knows how serious it is and nobody knows how long it's going to last. So I thought to myself, it's far too dangerous to sit still waiting for the property market to reopen, because if it takes months instead of weeks, we'll be gone. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if we can help these clients move their UK salaries across to cover the bills abroad, it's not highly lucrative, but it's something. It's better than nothing. And it keeps the relationship going. And then we can ask for referrals and then we get a nice testimonial to put on the website. It's better than sitting still waiting for the market to reopen. And that's what we did. And I'm very, very glad we took that decision because otherwise we probably wouldn't be here. So what drives you? No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what drives you forward? What, what what is your kind of why? Why are you, you know, what what drives you forward to 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 have obviously, you know, especially in that time to have just started a business and then thought, yeah. holy smoke, you know, <laughs> what am I gonna do? What what is that thing? Good morning, that you... <laughs> <laughs> well done. Superb. No, um, one thing, I've worked in financial services for 36 years now, 34 years for other people. And one of the things that's always frustrated the hell out of me is this doggy dog attitude in financial services where for somebody to win, somebody else has to lose. 
And I know it's not just financial services. I know it's in a lot of different industries and a lot of people's mindsets, but it's endemic in financial services. You know, for me to grow my book, I've got to take clients off you. And I've always felt, and I take no credit for this because I was taught this by my grand, my paternal granddad when I was a kid, that collaboration is better than competition. That you can have a win-win situation. That the more you give, the more you receive. But you've got to give first without the expectation of receiving. And so I've always had this frustration in me as I've worked my way around, you know, the city and, and for different banks and brokers abroad and in the UK, that it was just this doggy dog attitude all of the time. And I, I always felt that there was a way of building a business and being successful in business by helping others. And if you help enough other people, you'll end up with something along the lines of what you want as well. Creating and I know that sounds very, you know. Creating abundance. I just, I honestly think, I also remember my grandfather saying to me, for anything to work, it's got to be fair to all sides. Whether the relationship is business or, or, or family or, or marriage or, or partnership or what have you, if it's not, if it's only fair for one side, it'll never last. It'll never, ever last. At some point, it's going to break apart. It's got to be fair to all sides. So, in, in very simple terms, I've just tried to create at Cosmos a win-win-win situation where clients win by getting better rates of exchange and being properly looked after with good old school uh, customer service. We win by hopefully keeping hold of those clients and getting referrals um, and avoiding the traps of cold calling. All our, We don't advertise our market, so we're totally reliant on referrals, so they're all warm leads. But also the of the people, you know, the, the, our affiliates and partners also win out of the transaction. Um, and to create a win-win-win situation, I cannot for the life of me see the downside to that arrangement. And just, it's there obviously is, a blind spot on my part because I just don't see what the problem is. <laughs> there isn't one as far as I can see either, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not an expert. Um, but, you know, effectively what you're doing is growing a community. Well, you know, it's like this, um, one of the good things that happened in 2020, of course, was the acceptance of technologies like Zoom, which had been around for a while. But all of a sudden, the acceptance rate went from single figures to, you know, 90% plus. Mm. And obviously, that was very liberating for, for us, because being based where we are, we're pretty remote. We're not in a financial center. And that's good from a business point of view, because we don't have the overheads. But networking, face-to-face -face networking in Cornwall is um, interesting. Um, and everybody going on Zoom means that all of a sudden we could have as many meetings as we want. And it really didn't matter where I am and where the other person is. They can be in North America. They can be in Southeast Asia, in Australasia, in the Middle East. It doesn't matter anymore. And that was really, really good. But one of the things, so I've done a lot of networking over the last two years. And one of the things that has really surprised me in a pleasant way is I joined networking. I started networking for the obvious reason of building up the database, getting Cosmos known and getting clients. But actually that's been the second best thing that's happened with networking. The best thing that's happened to networking is of all the different networking opportunities I've tried, Ali, 
what I've realized is the people that give the most receive the most. We all have experiences, I'm sure, of being on a network, uh, you know, an online networking experience where, you know, you've got one minute to pitch or you've got a two minute meeting or you're in a meeting with a room with other four people and you've got 10 minutes and some genius decides they're going to talk about their business for eight minutes and everybody else has to cram theirs in in 20 seconds. And that's really interesting because it's only happened to me a handful of times in two years, to be fair. But I very rarely seen those people again. Maybe once again afterwards, maybe twice again, they, they're gone. And the people that are always trying to help people out with tips and tricks and, oh, actually, I, saw, I met somebody, you know, yesterday, and I think there'll be a really good referral for you. I'll, I'll send you an email connecting you to mm -hmm. the people that are always giving and helping and helping and helping. Whether it's karma, I don't know what it is, but it seems to work. Wow. I suppose, you know, you're a finance head. I, I would say it's to do with abundance in the universe, but there you go. <laughs> you're using big words again with me you know it doesn't yeah, absolutely work. <laughs> well you know it's part of the cosmos so <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh tony it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on tea time and um have a chat about you know what you've been doing and the financial markets uh, and the growth of your business and you know um and yeah, just learning more about you. So, I mean, the thing is, it, it, anyone listening to this is what would you say right now? Because, I mean, there's a lot of scaring going on. There's a fear going on, isn't there? Because of the rise of energy costs, because of the rise of the cost of living. I mean, what what would you say without looking into your crystal ball, actually? <laughs> In terms of the currency markets, I think the pound is on very solid ground against the euro. Um, I mean, bear in mind, countries like Germany are still in lockdown. So we're well ahead, well ahead. The vaccination program is still well ahead of continental Europe by and large. You've got a lot of political risk events in Europe coming up with the French presidential elections in April. Um, you've got a new government in Germany, you've got a new government in Portugal overnight. There's quite a lot of political stuff going on in the European Union, uh, which always causes a few flutters. The Bank of England almost certainly going to increase interest rates again on Thursday. That will strengthen the pound even more. Um, so I think against the euro, we're on very good ground. Against the dollar, not so much, uh, because the dollar is the ultimate what's called the safe haven currency in the markets uh try to avoid getting too techy um but basically in times of, of strife in times of war or pestilence or what have you the dollars in demand so i think for anybody looking to buy property or go on holiday in the states it's going to be expensive for the foreseeable future mm. but if you're going to the med it should be a, a pretty good short bet for, for at least the rest of this year. Okay, that's really good advice. Thanks, Tony. So, and also, how's your um, uh, football team doing? Ah, we won the League Cup on Saturday night. Brilliant. Good news. Yeah. Thank you. Coming yeah. back from 1-0 down to win 2-1. And that's our fourth trophy in 12 months. 
with the youngest squad in the Portuguese league and a manager that turned 37 years old last week. Fantastic. You know how to pick we've, a winner then. We've got, um, we've got a last 16 match in the Champions League coming up next month, but it's nobody important. I think they're from Manchester somewhere, Manchester City, is it? They're not very good. We'll, we'll, we'll no. be fine. Yeah, I've fine. heard that actually. Manchester who? Yeah. We'll be fine. <laughs> We'll yeah. keep them sort of below a cricket score, I think, in their favour. I think we'll, we'll hang on in there. <laughs> they won't get to double figures. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I bet. I'll, I'll, um, I'll look forward to hearing more about that, definitely. Anyway, Tony, as I said, lovely to see you and chat to you today. And um, I will catch up with you again soon. Bye. A pleasure. Thank you very much, Ellie. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on Tea Time at forthenow.co.uk, where you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Tea Time with AM. Bye for now.